October is National Pet Wellness Month. This week, we want to talk about the impact of preventive or protective care on our patients and why affordability is an important part of that conversation. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And October, in addition to being National Pet Obesity Awareness Day and week in the middle of October, is also known as National Pet Wellness Month. Now, when we talk about wellness, most of us conjure up an image of a vaccine program or testing for heartworm and fecal parasites. But this week, we want to expand that conversation and talk about affordability and maybe how some of the economic downturns that some of us are experiencing might be affecting preventive care. But before we talk about preventive care, as always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, you know, I'll be honest, it seems like every day is a new way to celebrate pets. There's a lot of months out there, but for the past, you know, several years, we've had this discussion around October being National Pet Wellness Month. So, you know, when we were talking about, you know, things to talk about for today's podcast, you know, that was something that kind of popped up. But explain to the viewfinders, like, why you think this is something that we need to be talking about now. Well, I... I mean, I think it's, we need to be talking about it all the time. I think just like the people who are behind dental month, (laughs) you know, are almost against dental month now because they think we should be talking about it all the time. But I think we should be talking about it this time of year, especially because it becomes the time of year when people stop thinking about prevention and wellness, (laughs) kind of for everyone. It's the holidays, right? Halloween, candy, Thanksgiving, dinner, Christmas, cookies. (laughs) Like it's time of year. Everybody's wellness goes a little downhill. Um, People feel like they don't need their preventatives. They're more likely, I think, to kind of get a little slow in the clinic. So I think it's a good time to start filling your newsletters, your social media, your emails with preventative information. Yeah. And again, this coincides with a lot of discussion around affordability and access to care and spectrum of care and all those things we've talked about for many years here on The Viewfinder. But I want to kind of highlight several studies moving forward and how this could impact the way you look at National Pet Wellness Month in October. And the first thing, Becky, I want to share with the viewfinders is a recent survey that was done of adult U.S. pet owners, okay, and this was done at the end of last year, and they basically were asking them, you know, what were some of the barriers? Was cost a barrier to you getting veterinary care for your dog or cat? And they did it by income and age, and the first thing I want to point out is that 58.9% of U.S. pet owners age 18 to 29 said cost was a barrier, and 47 Seven percent of those 30 to 39, 40 to 49 years of age, 45%, and the rest of them are about 44 to 45%. So Becky, you know, a lot of people out there are saying, hey, cost is part of it. And Becky, I would also kind of argue that it's not just cost of veterinary care, but it's actually getting an appointment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's kind of geographic, you know, um, I do a lot of talks in different places and I hear folks saying like, no, we're good. You know, it's not terrible. And then other folks are like, we're so slammed. Um, so I think there's more to come on that, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's always been an issue of money and resources. And, you know, I think about how like the dental field similarly struggles with this type of thing where when there isn't, as easy access or affordability or built in, I should say, access to, um, 
insurance, then right. I, I I think that we and and again we know even when you have insurance, you got to pay for the care up front. Um, with most plans, I know that's changing with some. The affordability part is you know, it's, it's a concern. And I think there's like a greater problem, right? Um, the greater problem is everyone's living paycheck to paycheck. Nowadays, we can't kind of add in extra expenses. And, um, it, it, it's a, it's a very frustrating cycle because, you know, within the clinic, you want to say, but like, you have a year to plan for it, (laughs) you know, like you have a whole year to know that you're going to spend $200, $300. Like, I I don't think that that's actually that much money. And you're talking less than, you know, $15, $20 a month if you put it away in your pocket. But I've also lived, you know, paycheck to paycheck to where $20 is a lot. So I don't know. I don't want to like be accusatory, but it becomes a little frustrating. And it makes me think about how we can get that access better, whether we, you know, could, can we make it more affordable? Can we break that cost down? And how do we make it accessible? where our clients are, you know, in, in, in what works for them instead of trying to force them into the box that we create. Right. That's a really good point. And I gave a session on a similar topic at Fetch in Kansas City recently, Becky. And one of the things I talked about was, you know, I was talking about affordability. Of course, that came up as a, as a part of this talk. And, and I, I was, you know, cautioning the the audience there, I said, look, you know, when pet owners are talking about affordability as a concern of theirs, as we've seen surveys are, are kind of proving that out, they then start to see preventive care or wellness care as elective care, right? Not protective, elective. And and I was kind of cautioning the the owners, the owners, the practice managers and owners in the audience that at that session, Becky, to say, look, you know, we view it as wellness, preventive care, but a lot of these people are saying, you know, hey, that's that's something that's just extra. I think if I think if we're really realistic, though, and look at our general population, a lot of them are seeing their own wellness care as extra. And, you know, again, if it's not I think there's probably a decline in people who are going and getting their own care because of that accessibility and affordability. And that's a huge problem. And so it's really hard for a person to justify like. I can't get my teeth cleaned. How am I paying for my pet? And and a lot of people are doing that. But I think that's a big part of the problem is, is it's like the system, obviously, the, you know, things we can't control in terms of the market in general. Um and 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 it's hard to to talk to a client who can't afford their own health care and to try to explain to them. But at the same time, I think we also um, have a tendency to judge our client's opinion about it. And, um, and again, I think we have a tendency to devalue it on our own to them. And, and so I think it's a really big cycle of a problem. Yeah, and Becky, I'm so glad you said that because that was one of the other points I tried to bring up at this session at Fetch, Kansas City. And I said, look, you know, guys, uh, when you have to have these uh, conversations, these are difficult conversations about money, two things happen. Number one, you know, when people get burned out and they get compassion fatigue when when we're recommending these basic vaccines and blood tests and all the basic preventive care that we're talking about for October, uh, you know, that burns you out. It really does. You know, no, 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 I can't, can't, can't. And the other thing is it also forces forces you to justify your fees, right? And so I think that also adds additional emotional stress to that conversation. And I think what really results in many of these instances, Becky, is like like most things in life, when you encounter enough rejection, you just stop offering it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You, you kind of, and that's that ethical fatigue, right? Where you're just like, it doesn't even matter. I'm not going to make it even part of this conversation, but you know, it's, it's, (laughs) it's so, um, common for me to say, like we could get in front of that. It's so reactive for us to be having this conversation in the moment when it's needed. You know, um, we can prep our clients for what things are going to look like and we can communicate with them what things are going to look like, what prices are, why they cost that. And so, you know, you can send your, I, personally, so um, I think we should be scheduling follow-up appointments before our client leaves, just like our dentists do. Right, Not, right. you know, okay, well, we'll see you in a year um, and expect them to call back and make that or for us to be calling in a year when things have been, are now so far out. So get them on the calendar before they leave, ideally for six months and say that, at that time, we're going to plan to do this, this, and this. Um, and you know, back, you don't even have to give them like a written estimate. We know prices could change, but you prepare them for that in the appointment. Uh, we're going to do, we need to start thinking about doing a dental. I'd like to get that scheduled in the next six months. We can work you up an estimate instead of talking to our clients. Hey, your dog needs a dental and we make it come across as if it's needed today, right now. Right, and right. it causes like this panic instead of helping them build it into their plans. Yeah. And I'm I'm really glad you mentioned that. We always come on. We've all been talking about forward booking for twenty plus years. But the reality is that also when you keep these these conversations current, and like Becky's saying, you know, go ahead and and get them back in in three months, six months, or whatever, or at least have that conversation. What happens is you do help minimize those repeat visits when you have to re-educate them on the basics, right, Becky? I mean, so often you find that people are like, wait, which which? Why do I need heartworm tests again? What what fecal parasites? My dog never goes outside. He's not boarded or whatever. So you wind up spending a lot of time kind of, you know, reiterating this. And I'll tell you, there was another interesting study that came out end of last year. And this was from Package Facts, Becky. And so Package Facts, you know, they do like the whole pet industry and they really focus like on stuff that, that pet pet owners buy, but they also ask a lot of interesting questions. And one of the things they asked in their survey last year was, what were you looking for in a veterinarian? So when you chose a veterinarian, what were the priorities that you kind of listed? And I thought it was really interesting that 46% of their respondents in the U.S. said that the vet offered a fixed cost plan for basic care. Now that's a wellness plan. So October is National Pet Wellness Month. Becky, I mean, like almost half of the respondents in this package facts survey said, hey, we want help with managing the cost. You know, we want to to have a plan that we know exactly how much it's going to cost and what we're going to get. And they also further in that uh, survey ask if you would like uh, help with medication, just an auto ship type of thing. And of course, we all know that that there are a lot of them, and I'll tell you how many in just a few minutes, uh, how many are getting it from a third party website, but about 39% said, hey, I think my vet should be offering me discounts on medication if I order in advance. So, I mean, again, again, Becky, I think that, like you said, there's a lot of opportunities here that vets just aren't taking advantage of. Yeah, I mean, and it's I, <laughs> it just feels wild to me because the wellness plan to me feels like now. Okay, so I think it becomes an accounting nightmare. There are totally ways to do it that are not nightmarish. But what people right. think about is like, I don't want to be holding on to your money. It becomes because people say like, can I just give you some money every month and then I build up a credit and then if I need it, it's there. People are able to manage their expenses much, much more readily in small increments like that and pay for things monthly. Um, and, and everything is subscription now. And I think we are missing out on a huge opportunity, especially because like, even for me, I have pet insurance for all of my pets for, there are five of them, two cats, three dogs, everybody's insured. 
but I would buy a wellness and it doesn't cover wellness. So I would pay additionally probably for that. Um, some insurance companies offer it and it's basically kind of like a savings plan, but then again, you've got to pay it out of your pocket and get reimbursed. Right. If my clinic offered that, first of all, you've got major clinic loyalty. Look at Banfield offering it with their puppy plan. Right. People just like scoop that up. It's such a no brainer. Um, and it gives us flexibility as professionals knowing, Hey, I can do this. And as soon as I tell them it's covered in my insurance, it's, it's the clients are just like, yes, it's a, it's a, it's straight to yes. Right. And again, you know, again, uh, Becky, I think you're probably losing using the term insurance a bit broadly there, which is fine. But it's just sticking back to wellness plans. I mean, these subscription services, another survey, uh, Becky, that I uh, just recently ran across at the end of last year, the average American adult was spending $273 a month on subscriptions. Okay. So obviously a lot of this is Netflix and Hulu and things like that. But Becky, I mean, Americans, adults are conditioned to this type of spending, if you will, this monthly draw or whatever. And again, this is why these wellness plans for the large corporations have been so successful, in my opinion. People are just used to it and they kind of expect it. And when their vet offers it, they accept it and take it. Yeah. And it goes for everything else in the clinic from, you know, dental plans to, right. um, you know, nail trim packages. And I am America. Okay. I am that person. I have HelloFresh. So my groceries yeah. are a subscription plan. I have all of the TV plans. I have a makeup subscription plan. I have, I love the boxes. Um, for a long time, the longest time I got clothing boxes. I stopped in 2020 because I wasn't traveling. Um, I mean, I, you name it. I want to subscribe to it. I'm fully there. And I think, you know, for a lot of us, just because of the way that the, the, um, the world has changed in the way that affordability of everything and, and just the way our economics are, it's easier to break things up into a monthly plan than to have to come up with a huge amount of money. And we just don't save like, like, it's like, we'll just save it, you know? Um, now like I use apps for saving and I can set target goals and that's like the only way I can do it is to automate it. But it's like, clearly we need it automated. How can we provide that for our clients? Right. And again, Becky, you're just like most Americans that were citing in these big surveys. Uh, and you are like the 93% of subscription consumers that actually spend more with those companies than ones that don't. So basically, if you're on a subscription basis, you're spending a lot more money with that company than you would otherwise, right? Because there's a little add-ons and incentives and things like that. UBS Financial Services, which of course is one of the world's largest banking groups, they predict that the subscription economy will grow to $1.5 trillion by 2025. That's in a year and a half. Becky, right Buy now it's point five trillion of that <laughs> independently. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I mean, this is just huge stuff. Now, yes. getting back to 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 who's taking advantage. So, so guys. Again, talking about October is Pet Wellness Month and maybe why you should consider wellness programs in your clinic and why affordability. So the reason this is a big deal is because we have competitors that have just continued to grow to try to take advantage of this need. And right now, a study that was done at the end of last year also found that 27% of U.S. veterinary customers, pet parents, had a, a prescription prescribed by their vet but had it filled on an online website. So Becky, third parties, I mean, we, we know this, this is the 
the Chewies, the Pet Meds, the Amazon, all that stuff. I mean, again, Becky, that's just that's revenue that we're literally giving away. I mean, this is an old saw. I mean, people like me and others have been talking about this for so long. But you know, you, today you can with through a distributor, <laughs> through some provider, you can actually provide your clients with these same types of things. So again, I just Becky, you know, when we're talking about wellness and people are saying that's elective care, not protective care. I'm saying, look, you give solutions. There exist. You know, it's not that hard. No, it's it's really not. And I think I don't think it's the difficulty that's the problem. I think it's the time. I think people are just mm-hmm. like, I don't have time to learn. I don't have time to implement a new system. I don't have time to train somebody on that every time I have turnover. I think it's a perceived time issue. And I think they're almost willing to lose the money just feeling like they're too overwhelmed to stop, learn, change, or implement something new. And it's ironic because a lot of times it's, it's what we ask our clients to do, right? I right, need you right, to stop, change what you're doing. I need you to listen. You know, it's funny. You were talking about um, how we have to re-educate our clients every year. And, and you know, when I lecture, I explain to people that, you know, I think we're educating them wrong in the first place. We we should be using our social media, our email systems. There, When you have a client coming in for a wellness plan, Visit, you could be sending them an email a day for the week ahead of time, talking about preventatives, talking about dental care, preparing them for that visit and utilizing these systems that you have in place and that are completely automated, right? But we don't. We wait until they get there and then it's also reactive and it's too much information. And I always do this um, when I get introduced for a lecture. My bio starts with where I live. And so about halfway through the lecture, I kind of get into this part of it in this soapbox and I'll say, who can remember where I live? And no matter how many people are in the room, no more than one or two people can remember the actual city and state. A handful of people can remember the state. The majority have no idea of any of it, all of it. And I just use it as as a thing to say, hey, I thought you were listening and and Dr. So-and-so told you. And, you know, this is what we do to our clients. And they kind of really get hit in the face with that. And I kind of wish we would take some opportunity to think a little bit more through our client's eyes and through that moment and what that, what that impact is like for them, because I don't think we really do. And we have this expectation of them that we don't hold ourselves to. Yeah. And Becky, you, I'm sure you're sick of hearing me say this for the past decade, but you know, the exam room is a lousy classroom. And you, again, just made the point once again, very clearly that guys, you know, there's so many other ways we should be, you know, trying to drip educate. There's so many other ways to reach them. But when we dump them this massive amount of information in the exam room and they don't retain any of it or only like 5% of it, no surprise there whatsoever. So again, when it comes to wellness, Becky, part of the message, the problem has been that this is Elective care, not protective care, and we can do a much better job. And again, this is where you know leveraging your social media, your website, you know, sending out a clinic newsletter every month or something to highlight those conditions that a little ounce of prevention can go a long way to toward preventing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I again, I think it's perceived time issues, and um, I, I and change is hard, and I think that honestly. We're moving into a situation where preventative is super necessary because we can't really even promise care uh, with shortages in uh, medications, shortages in pain medicines, shortages in access. So, like, 
I get more concerned about treating things than I do preventing things because of the accessibility issues, especially when there are items that we share with human meds. You know, I don't share heartworm preventatives with human meds. Right. Um, but when we get into shortages of certain things, you know, and and not just that, but like you think about like, I don't want 30 days of doxycycline. You know, I don't want IV antibiotics clearing out my entire body microme like the the preventative preventative part of it is the first do no harm part of it Right, right. And again, guys, you know, I'm just kind of reminded uh, of in 1998, we started our first uh, kitty care and puppy care programs. And these were our version of early wellness programs. We wound up doing, you know, wound up doing some canine care and feline care packages and for annual. But you know, we, what we were trying to do was we knew that our reputation in the community, I'll just be, I mean, this is no secret. We were known as the expensive vet clinic. We were the best one. And people would say, you know, if your dog's really sick, take him to Dr. Ward, but they're gonna, it's expensive, right? And we embraced that. But we said, we need to be an advocate for affordability. I mean, this is 1998. And so what we did was we said, you know what? We want preventive care to be affordable and accessible to all. So we were like, you know, hey, we get it. If your dog is sick, we're going to do a thorough workup and, you know, sorry, blood tests and x-rays and ultrasound. Those are expensive things. But you know what? We're going to definitely help you out when it comes to the annual type of stuff. And so I would encourage you in this age where, again, vets are being scrutinized and criticized for costs, I would say be an active advocate for affordability if you could. Right, Becky? You know what I'm saying? So so say, hey, look, we offer wellness plans and, and be, I, I think you need to be more forward. I was talking to a vet recently, just doing some some consulting through Vertical Vet. And, you know, I was saying, look, embrace it. Embrace your annual care. And, and I said, don't be afraid to showcase it out there. And, you know, like, oh, but then, you know, what about our competitors? They'll just match it. I said, right, they can match you on price, but they can't match you on service. So again, when it comes to preventive care, these are shopped items almost always, Becky. I mean, people know how much a rabies vaccine costs in your area or a heartworm fecal test, right? So again, try to make it as affordable as possible. And then I still believe, Becky, again, my 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 complete business foundation works like this, that I'm going to make preventive care affordable and accessible, and I'm going to do the absolute best sick care, you know, so surgical, surgery and, and oncology and all that stuff, but that's going to cost, you know, that's going to be more expensive. It's just how it has to be. Yeah, I mean, I I've been open about that as well. My veterinarian here is is quick to say we not I mean maybe not quick to say but open to say we are the most expensive veterinary clinic in town. We know that they have a high standard for their clients, and I appreciate that because I know the level of conversation, medicine, expectation. Um, I I like I feel better about my accessibility to care because of that, and I know that that's not how everybody can get. Like we can't just say, oh, I want the most affordable. You know, everybody wants good care. Um, but you're right. It's showcasing the value and it's providing that service in a way that is a service. And to me, it is the, it is the connection that you make between visits that really exemplifies your service. And I think like, like, like I was saying in the beginning, you know, folks who say, you know, dental month isn't just one month. We need dental care all year long. We can use October to talk about how we need preventative care all year long and springboard from there. It's, it's, it's just a way of highlighting it. It's a way of making it marketable. And, um, it's a way I think of reminding ourselves about the importance of preventative care because it does become mundane everyday stuff, but it is truly the, the foundation of our patients. And like I said, in, in us doing the best that we can to keep them alive and well. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much, Becky, because you're right. I mean, I think we do get lost. And, and look, you know, I used to always say that. 
And people, preventive care is not that sexy. You know, I mean, right. it was always about that. I mean, it's like, you know, good nutrition and behavior counseling, you know, and, and vaccines and heartworm and flea. I mean, you know, that's not the exciting part of medicine. I get it, you know, but that's the actual stuff that impacts longevity and quality of life more than almost anything else. I mean, I would argue, Becky, I mean, vaccines have probably saved more lives and improved quality of care for animals around the world than anything else. I mean, that alone has made profound impacts. I mean, you know, a lot of you, a lot of listeners are far too young to remember the Parvo outbreak of 77, 78, you know, but I can tell you that was scary stuff, you know, and suddenly now, you know, imagine when new diseases pop up and again, you know, I'm, so again, viewfinders, you know, this is a conversation where we just, A, wanted to raise your awareness that October is Pet Wellness Month, also October 12th, National Pet Obesity Awareness Day. Just throw that in. We'll be talking more about that in the upcoming weeks. But, uh, you know, what are you doing to celebrate October as National Pet Wellness Month? What are you doing to embrace affordability and how are you being an advocate for affordability and accessibility of care? We'd really like to hear your thoughts. Becky, how can they share those thoughts? Oh, you guys can come on over to Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder or send us an email at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. That's right, guys. Till next week, stay ahead of it, as Becky always says, and be (laughs) protective, not elective. (laughs) We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.